We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. It was a huge fight weekend here in Vegas, Wilder Fury 2. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? you'll receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your literal free money. Everybody loves free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to right now. Again, that promo code is BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Whew. All right. Got that out the way. Now, by now, you know it's me, Kel Dansby, here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Both in Vegas. Dre, you are back at home after, man, chilling in the MGM until God knows what hours. I don't, I don't, you know what? 
Well, we'll talk about it in a minute. I didn't leave the MGM. After I left you, I ended up getting up with uh, Coppinger, Kenneth Buhari. Uh, I was with D Smoke, uh, McKenzie, and Greg from, with D Smoke's team. Damn, who else pulled up on us? It was a bunch of us. And we ended up at the uh, Double Helix spot or Whiskey Down, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. We got discriminated. We got discriminated against. <laughs> Yo, it's uh, you know what? Fuck it. Because we're going to talk about obviously every, the thing we're going to talk about is Wilder Fury. Everybody knows that. It's like duh. It's the biggest fight that happened. You guys know what's going what we're going to talk about. But I just want to talk about this real quick cuz we're also going to talk about Black History and my little situation that came up this week. But this was a little crazy cuz after the fight, um it was madness. Everybody was busy. Uh, Kel, you met us at me, uh, Kevin Ioli from Yahoo and Armando from Yahoo. Uh, you met us at the piece of spot. We ate, we chopped it up. We had some fucking uh, proper 12. Um, yes, sir. Complimentary <laughs> to the house. Shout out yeah. to the sponsors. God damn. We had a lot of proper 12. I was thinking about it like. It's a big ass bottle. Yo, she couldn't finish her. She was like, I can get a mixer. I was like, you better drink that shit. Um, so yeah, I bounced by the time y'all were even drinking it. No, so you, I didn't you was there because we, we shot it, and then we shot it again, and then we Yeah, but I poured it. their glass, Mackenzie and... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, and Greg, yeah, that's right. And Greg walked up when I was bouncing, so that's I poured right. their glasses when I was leaving. Oh, we drank yeah. that when it was just four of us drinking. Oh, and my we, God. Yeah, we, we had a nice amount of that bottle. Yeah, so, so after you left and did whatever you did, I'm sure you know did your thing with family stuff, we, I was walking out, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to leave. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Manuk from L.A. Times, like, everybody's at, outside the bar. And I walk up, and I'm like, you know, what the fuck you guys doing here? It's like 3 in the morning. Go home. And so, obviously, they're like, yo, let's go get a drink. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So, we go up to the bar. Now, we're all talking. Uh, Regis Program Manager was with us. Um, we're just talking, just talking about the fights, talking about the week in general. Um, you know, it's the wind down, man. Like, you know, some of the guys I'll see next week. I'll see Coppinger in uh in Texas for the Mikey Garcia fight, which we'll talk about towards the end of this show. Um, and Greg from The Athletic was there. So, we're, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. Let's get a drink. So we're standing at this bar, and it's kind of sort of busy, but not really. And there's a little guy that was bartending. And, you know, you, you know how this goes. When you're at the bar, and you're, like, leaning on the bar, and you're, like, trying to get the bartender's attention, but you're in the middle of a conversation. So me and Kenneth, two brothers... We're trying to get this guy's uh, attention. Now, Greg is standing behind us. Greg is white. Um, Mike's sitting with Regis Program's manager away from us. Um, and Manuk is, as you can imagine, he's not a white guy. And <laughs> Manuk's already, he's lit. And the crazy thing is, he ends up at Fury's after party after all this. I don't know how he did this shit. But we're all standing there. And it's like 20 minutes go by. The bartender never shows up. Now, we're just talking. And then finally, Kenneth's like, oh, what the fuck? 30 minutes go by. Bartender's just walking by us, right? So finally, I'm like, you know, I give him the yell. <laughs> and he looks, and he, like, dude, some white dude walks up. He gives him three Bud Lights in front of me. And, uh, and Kenneth's like, yo, what the fuck, man? He just got here. We've been standing here trying to get your attention the whole time. You know what this dude says? Bar's closed. Damn. And you know the week that I've just had. <laughs> My like immediately, and now my coppagers just walked up. Greg had just walked up, and they've never really seen me in my element. And for a hot second, I became that guy. I was like, "Yo, what the fuck you mean?" You, I was like, "Dog, we right here," 
And you just served this dude three Bud Lights who walked up and we've been standing here 30 minutes. And Kenneth, he's a brother as well. And, he, and Kenneth, I never really hear him curse. Kenny's just, he goes off. And he's like our age, you know, he's in his 30s. What the fuck? And he was like, yo, man, are you you just not going to take our money? And that's that's when I really got off. I was like, I'm trying to give you my fucking money. And he's like, he just looked, he looked down and goes, bars closed and walked off. And closed the bar on us. Oh, you better than me. I would have reached right over. Well, at that point, I was like, you know, I started walking around the bar, and Manuka's like, yo, chill. You got your credentials on still. Like, you don't want to do this here. And I'm just like, man, the week that I, like, I, I started raising my voice. The, the motherfucking week that I just had, and you just going to do this to me at the bar? Like, for real? Like, you serving people. We've been here 30 minutes, and it ain't just, you know, two black dudes. I mean, if you want to just discriminate against us, it's not cool, but maybe that, but it's like, it's a bunch of us, and we got fight credentials on. It's like, again, Coppinger, Greg, it's like all of them, they're all spread out, but the only two people he sees is me and Kenneth, and he refuses to give us service, and he closes the fucking bar. That's how we're starting this show this week, with discrimination, and, and motherfuckers been on my timeline all week talking about this whole Black History Month thing, and we'll talk about that in a second, but this that was like the culmination of everything was in that very moment. I was like, you know what? I'm going home. I'm done. I'm done with this shit. I can see you just for a split second, like movie style. They do a cut screen, cut back to you, and you got the Deontay Wilder all black face mask on with the red eyes. D smoke pops up out of nowhere, rapping like you ready. You were ready to go to the ring. Not this no. Black History Month. No, I was I was so irritated, and it just was really because it was happening. And I and I remember I was standing next to Greg, and I was like, "You see this, right?" Because like y'all be thinking I'm crazy when I be talking on social media about like. Right, discrimination and racism you think I'm like ultra sensitive and I'm not but when shit like this happens I need you to see this in action because he li- he just denied a service and you watched it you saw it it was right in front of you they saw it we had self coverage and you know coverage is like drunk so he's like ah, whatever but it it happened and I was just like wow shit never changes man unbelievable <laughs> that's just so fitting for this week and for the end of the week to just go like that, man, it's, that's crazy. I'm glad I went upstairs. No, Angry- if you been, that would have been the worst part. If you would have been there too, because I had people calming me down because they saw I was amping up, and nobody's really seen me pissed off before. Like, they, they were like, oh, shit. Like, and then Kenneth was getting mad too. So it took, like, Manuk, who was, like, the nicest guy ever, to, like, yo, you don't need to do this. And I'm like, uh, I kind of do. You seen the yeah. week I just had. I'm an instigator by nature. Yeah, if you would have been so. there, yeah, we would have flipped over the bar. Like, the whole bar would have been torn down. It would have been oh, like yeah. News 3 would have been like, yo, a bunch of black boxing journalists turned the fuck up and destroyed the bar at the MGM. Would have been Brian so, Salmon <laughs> reporting on yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. been straight. Yeah, he, yeah, he would have reported on us, but he probably would have a bottle of pop, proper 12 in his hand because he would have came up too. Yes. That's how we roll. Wakanda forever at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shout out to Brian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. So the the whole week was just crazy, right? We got to talk about the entire week and figure we break this into two parts. We'll do kind of a rundown of the atmosphere and all the shenanigans that happened, and then we'll rewind and talk about the actual fight. So, first off, there was some clout chasing going on. Oh, we yeah, talked yes. about this last. We, we talked about this last episode, so we don't have to go too in depth. People did not listen to our little rant, our soapbox speech. 
there was clout chasing going on. A lot of people outside the venue acting like they inside the venue. Mm. It's like, it's like, all right, man. Like, you take your pictures or you do your little YouTube videos while you chasing people around a casino. I get it, I get it, but I don't get it. Outside of the clout chasers, that just elevated us and me personally, Dre, to new levels of petty. This mm. fight week. Because you know what? The glow up is real, Dre. You posted the picture on social media yesterday. If you guys are listening and haven't seen it, check it out. Me, Andreas, uh, Poncher before the fight. And she reminded us, yo, it's been like 10 years, a solid eight, since yeah. we've been kind of on this grind and like seeing each other just make different steps and doing different things. And Poncher was on the second episode of the Corner Podcast as our guest. That's right, she was. When wow. she didn't have to be anything like, she just did us a solid and came on. And she was our second guest. First week was Big Mac. Second week was Christina Poncher. Wow. So yeah. she was there from the start. She's seen so much um, in terms of, you know, the show itself and then what we do outside of the show and how we've grown from, you know, you with damn near 10 different outlets to now being the senior editor of one, or not only one, but two major platforms, me at ESPN and her shit rocketing past all of us and being on TV <laughs> and just, uh, just crushing it, right? Like her commentary, everything, just what she has been able to accomplish is incredible. All while, you know, I guess at the relatively same time, you guys both started families. Yeah, and just it, it's been like a, a whole growing up maturity type process. And that picture was so dope because of that. And it was just like, damn, yeah, like, you know what? We, we've been through some shit, but now we're here. The glow up is real. I ain't give a fuck. I, I stood on the stage. I got a picture. Uh, Elena took a picture of me when I was like prepping on the first take stage in the arena. I was like, yes. What? I'm at the desk. It's a sports center here. First take is on the mat. And then fight night, I had to post my, my minor flex, you know, just real quick. My name on the apron. I was like, hmm. Like, no, no tables this week. What? Ringside. Wilder damn near fell in my lap. Drake got knocked down. He was right it. there. Right there. A little sweat hit me in the forehead. I sainted. it. <laughs> It's a, it's yeah, a wild time. Estate. That's, I'm telling you. So I feel like we had to, you know, especially, and we're going to get into <laughs> the week that was for you. Oh my God. Um, but, you know, we kind of had to puff our chest up a little bit. Like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Now, fuck that. We here. We got to let people know we here. Yeah, again, you know, somebody's told me recently, like, if you don't toot your own horn, ain't nobody else going to toot it for you. And... And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really modest, man. Like, I've done a lot of things, but, you know, I've talked about on this show forcefully. Like, you forced me to come out on my show a lot. Like, I don't do it a whole lot unless somebody challenges me on social media. But I felt like this particular day as we were walking, as me and you were walking to go check out the Urban Loitering and Christina walked up because we were going to take a picture. And I saw Christina and I was just like, yo. In my head, I was like, we've really come a long way in this particular space because we were... Like, yeah, I've been covering boxing for a while, but now we've moved into um, positions of power, I guess, where, you know, 
which we'll talk about. Like I asked the first question at the press conference. Uh, you know, Christina is like killing it. Uh, one of the first women on commentary full time, and then you over here at ESPN running this social media account and just kind of crushing it on digital. So to see all that come together. And I posted, I was like, you know, three kids had a dream and just kind of manifested. And we made that shit a reality. And it's like the triple threat because you're at ESPN, she's at top rank, and I'm at the zone, you know, in sport news. So it's like to see all of us and we're still cool. And she made a very interesting point that stuck with me because she was like, you know, as the old guard goes away, we are becoming the new guard. That, that will become the old guard. But as the old guard goes away, like the old guard sometimes doesn't let, let the young guard in. And this is like prevalent everywhere you know whether it's hip-hop whether it's journalism in general like sometimes they don't want to give up their jobs to the new generation um and we've kind of forced our way in especially being minorities we kind of just was like yo this is we're going to be in the space because as we talk about a billion times in the show there aren't that many black people in combat sports and there are not a lot of women in combat sports either covering it you know like the way that we have but she was like you know now it's our chance to usher in the new generation and we have an open door policy where we want to put people on you know whether it be you know fighters like as i left ran into sean porter chopping it up it's like dudes are trying to do an interview and sean's like no i'm talking to my man's right here you know we just we talking about families like he's got baby number two on the way like we have become entrenched in the next generation of fighters and writers and people who cover this space and she pointed that out and i'm like you're absolutely right. And Wilder Fury is like the perfect week where everybody got to see that all come together because we all were in these strong spaces. You know, obviously the old guard is still going to do old guard stuff and they're still cool. But man, that's it. We, we don't we don't did this shit like we are not pretenders. We are here and we are going to open doors for the next wave of young journalists who want to get in the game. So that's why we took that picture. Some people looked at it as a, like a flex. It was. But at the same time, it was like you need to know that we are kind of here for y'all too. I'm never going to be against putting somebody else on, and she's not, and Kel, you're not. So this this is what we're here to do. Yeah, man, you said it from the start. That's always been like the key, right? We got to climb high enough to then pull people up with us. Like sometimes, you know, you get the the door, the crack in the door, you kick that shit open, and as soon as you did, I've run through all of them. And that's, I mean, tell you, every interview I've had, they've asked me about you. We were just talking to uh, Peter, the, Peter um, this week, and we were talking oh, to him Peter at Khan. the fights. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Peter Khan. We were talking to Peter this week at the fights, and he's there for Amon, he manages Amon, and uh, I met him when he was at Xander's fight. But talking to him, he was like, yo, I know you. Like, I, you're so familiar and all this stuff. And I was like, man, I don't know how we know each other. Boom, lo and behold, cuz of you. So, like, this is just usually how this stuff goes. And it, it just shows that, like, and people can feel how, however they want. And we'll dive into it here right after I say this. But you and your voice, and it shows in times like what happened this week, how, how big and how powerful your voice is. But the fact that it's seen and heard, and this is, is such a polarizing thing on, on many platforms and what you do and you don't even realize it but your voice is so big that it does allow and open the doors for other people to just go right behind you and be like cool and be comfortable in that space that's a lot man i mean i never really, <laughs> it, like like i don't really get it all i like when it happens 
like when things like this happen, I just kind of deal with it as it happens. So when you say stuff like that, and when Peter says stuff like that, or people say stuff like that, I it doesn't really resonate until like like I don't never take a breath and step back and say, wow, you know what, you're right, because um, I don't know. Because I still, for me, I'm still scratching and clawing. Like, I'm still trying to prove myself. So there's a part of me when shit, like, what we're about to talk about happens. And part of me is like, man, did I really, like, did I blackball myself from a certain group of individuals because of that? And then I think about it, like, man, fuck them. Because (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm good at what I do. And anybody who doesn't think that I'm good at what I do, that's fine. That's cool if you don't believe it. But, you know, my paycheck is good. And you see me. And I'm working my ass off. And I'm going to be in these spaces and you're just going to have to deal with me, whether you like me or not. And that's what I kind of realized this week is like there were a lot of people who had some shit to say. So I guess, you know, let's talk about it. I'll let you tell your side of it and then I'll really tell everything that went into what happened this week. All right. So it all starts and I'm going to paint you the picture from me watching from afar. I am side stage of Wilder Fury press conference and... I'm there, I'm taking my little videos, I'm chilling, getting unique angles and stuff. And they go through, they have funny moments. I'm chilling, trying to edit something on my phone, you know, get a little viral tweet going out. And I look up and they're like, we'll be taking questions. Earlier in the day, you kind of prepped me and you're like, yo, they, they want me to ask a question at this presser. I might ask the question. I was like, all right, bet. That sounds dope. I did not know at that time there will only be like two questions asked at this press conference. So that's so you had like one of two questions. You get the mic first. So I'm like, oh, let me see what's let me see what's good with Dre. What is he gonna say? And you asked Deontay Wilder what I thought was a very reasonable and normal ass question, a follow-up of something he said on the um on the road to Fury Wilder two little documentary series that they had out which was is black history like oh they done messed up because it's black history month so i'm gonna make him a black history month trivia question was wilder's quote so you ask him like okay so how do you really feel about fighting in black history month and kind of the paraphrasing the gist what does that mean to you you will go into exactly what you said and I was like, that's a dope-ass question. Cool. I knew where it was formulated from because Wilder had been talking about this several times. You would talk to him the day before about this. No one, I understand that not everyone understands that context behind the question or people just tend to ignore that context. Twitter especially, social media especially, does not care to dig in to the nuances of a question like that. You ask it, Wilder gives you a normal answer. Fury cuts him off. Responds to the question that you just asked Wilder, not Tyson Fury. And tells you or tells everyone that this is not a black versus white fighter thing. This is a man versus man thing. And he will not partake in any type of race conversation for this fight. One, he wasn't asked that question, but cool. That's your response. That's good. I don't think... He's really, I didn't hear prior to that, his stance on that topic. It was a good answer. No harm, no foul. On to the next guy's question. This is where your mentions blow the fuck up. And this is where I toss it to you. Because, man, oh, man. For the next three, four days, it was hilarious to just see. At at one point, you had like 8,000 notifications. 
Yeah, it was nuts. So, so here, here's my side of it. Yes. So on Monday, I got a chance to sit down with Tyson Fury uh, for the Zone Germany because our German team it was streaming the the fight. So I got to sit down with Fury for that televised portion of it. Tuesday, I got a chance to sit with Wilder. Now on Tuesday, because it's Black History Month and I wear Black Pride clothes, I had a Black Panther sweater on. I, w- I was wearing my Black Panther sweater. Uh, Deontay comes in with his fur with no shirt underneath with his chains on and shit. And as we go to do the interview, uh, Deontay like kind of points at me, sees my sweater. And Tim Smith, who's a black dude that works for PBC and runs all the uh, the PR department there. Tim, he notices as well. He's like, cool. And as we're standing there, people are taking pictures. And I was like, you know what? I've never really, I've never taken a picture with Deontay. And Deontay kind of like hears me and he looks back. He's like, yeah, black excellence. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So we take a picture and we post it. And I was like, this is dope because, you know, shit, I'm not picking sides, but I have to support my brother that's been through all this and is very proud of this. Now, after the interview, we talk about Black History Month. And he's just like, you know, I want to make this a big, big deal. Like, I want to go down in black history. And there was a bunch of other words because, you know, Deontay just says wild shit sometimes. But I remember that. And I'm thinking like, oh, you know, what? if I get a chance to ask you this publicly, I will. I didn't know I was asking a press conference question at the time. The following morning, Evan Korn, uh, PR from Top Rank, tells me, like, can you ask a question at the press conference? I say, sure. Now, as the press conference is going, and as you remember, this is like, wow, because they're pushing and shoving each other, calling each other names. And this is a nasty televised podcast. I mean, a press conference. Kevin and I only sit next to me. And Kevin's like, do you have your question? And I'm looking at them pushing and shoving. And I'm like, no, because... Initially, I, I kind of was thinking leaning towards like the animosity because I didn't expect this to happen. As it keeps going, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask this question because it'd be a good sound bite because I don't know how much time I'm going to have and I could use it for my own story. And so I get, they give me the mic. And the question is you know, you've had a lot of viral moments from to this day. You had uh, big moments with the knockdowns in the first fight, and now you're getting the opportunity to face Tyson Fury on black history month what does that mean to you and that's when he gives you know i want to you know make him a black history trivia question now what i didn't know until later was that tyson fury was getting needled at by jason whitlock maybe 15 minutes before the press conference on the speak for yourself shit and i'm glad i didn't cross paths with whitlock because it would have been on site but (laughs) i guess whitlock kept talking about the black white thing and that's tyson kind of said the line that he said to me there uh, so he, I guess he was hypersensitive about race. But again, like you said, the question wasn't directed towards you. If the response, whatever, is fine. If you feel like you needed to answer that, sure. My question to Tyson Fury was, you know, Deontay can win by knockout. You're expected to win by decision. Can Deontay Wilder win a decision? Like, what is the likelihood? Of, have you even thought about that? And Tyson just completely doesn't answer that question and talks about the race thing. As I'm going back to the seat, like, a few people send me videos of me asking a question. I start hearing groans. I start hearing like things and then my social media blows up and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And people are telling me they're upset you asked that question. I said, who's they? Oh, you know, the higher ups. Who? Then like other people, you know, why did you ask that? Why did they want to know why you asked that question? Now, nobody ever approached me. and was like, why did you ask that question? Everybody <laughs> was just like, somebody want to know why you asked that question. I said, who? Who? If somebody has a problem with the question, Come to me. I will tell you. Please don't send messengers to talk to me because they know me. I'm not really that much of a standoffish guy, but I'm also not the friendliest guy. So I don't just go out of my way to talk to people. But if you have an issue, come see me. And it's not going to be like some rush. I just want to know. So this nobody says anything. Now, 
I, I, I get a video when I hear some UK guys like, oh, the stabbing press asking that question. Then somebody sends me an article that was on like heavy.com where I was race baiting Tyson Fury and I was insinuating a race war. Then I was getting like uh, Michael Benson from not BT Sport, Talk Sport in the UK, post that and says Fury's not going to engage in a race conversation. That was the tweet that just kind of broke everything because it's video of me asking the question and it had it's tagged me in the video. So now I look at my mentions and, you know, I guess on your tweet that you see like a 20 plus and that's it. That shit was ridiculous. It was like, show more, show more. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm looking at all these tweets. I'm getting threats. I'm getting called like coon and N words. Like about, like, you know, obviously, obviously all these masked accounts are coming at me. Right. All these ghost accounts. But then there's other people who's like, why would you do that? You blah, blah, blah. Like all these people. And then when I show up the next day, because after Wednesday, which Thursday was the undercard press conference, and that's, I think I saw you um, a little bit into that, and, like, more people, like, so now the black writers are like, that was a great question, man. I don't know what they're tripping about. And I'm like, who's tripping? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And they're like, oh, well, somebody asked me, why did Andreas ask a question? <laughs> who? I'm like, yo, who is asking y'all these questions about me? They know me as I was like, is it Fox? Is it ESPN? Is it top rank? Oh, it's just, you know, they, 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 they. And then I'm getting texts from like people in other states, like sending texts of me in this video and articles of me. And like, there's an article that uses my name that says, Andreas Hale insinuates Deontay Wilder can't win a decision with white judges on Black History Month. What? Yo, what a stretch. Then there was another article that said, Andreas Hill asked uh, if Deontay Wilder will take great pride in beating the great big white hope on Black History Month. I never asked this question, dog. It never happened. So all these people got hypersensitive about this. And it That's just a good think a piece, thing. though. Like, outside of your question, that would have been a dope article if that person could actually write. Yeah, right? But it was just like all these people. And even as we're doing this show right now. From the start of the show, I have 39 mentions specifically about that. The fight is over, people. It's done. There are... Thir- that was 37 mentions from the time I started this conversation. I'm just looking at it right now. On top of that, people have dug up my post from the Colby Covington Kamara Usman fight. And it was like, it didn't work out in your favor now, did it? Or... That's why you black. It's like somebody called me a spade. Like what? What year is this? I got called a spade and a monkey. <laughs> Jigaboo's next. I, I've never I, heard like what year. I might have missed it because it got to the point where I just couldn't even scroll through them. I just gave up. Like I was like, I'm, I can't. I can't even read all this shit. But I've been called so many names and people are like, you know, and again, I got emails from people. So I don't know, even know how people found my work email. They found emails and were emailing me. Like, I've got, like, your brand of racism, and you're a racist, and I'm calling your job to get you fired. So just like the Usman Covington thing, the zone is getting emails about me. But guess what, people? They like me. They, they know who I am and what I bring to the table. So the, the people that didn't like it, fuck them. If you didn't come to me and you had an issue with it, fuck you. And if you endorse me, I'm happy. Like, that's cool. I'm, we're on the same team. But that's never going to stop me from doing what the fuck I do. And, and, that, and that was like the most innocent question ever. Because if you ask Canelo about fighting on Cinco de Mayo, is that a problem? Somebody was like, that's not the same Black History Month. That's race. Listen, man, it's a celebration of the contributions to the culture of African Americans. It's the shortest fucking month of the year. Can we get a fucking bone, please? I can't answer yeah. this. If, if we <laughs> ask Conor McGregor about fighting on St. Patrick's Day, is that a problem? 
if it's Chinese New Year and there's a Chinese fighter fighting, we ask him, is that an issue? But for some reason, people felt like as a black man and being who I am, asking a black fighter who is a very proud black man, it doesn't make us anti-white. But asking this question about this opportunity to make history in a month where black fighters don't usually fight for the biggest fight of the year in February. It doesn't really happen. Mayweather took over Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day. Black fighters don't usually fight on February. That's why I asked this question. Because this was the biggest heavyweight fight in recent memory. Maybe this past 20 years. That's why I asked this question. But now, I'm branded as a racist. Congratulations. Kel, you are on a podcast with a racist. I got called a bigot today. <laughs> I got called a bigot. Yeah, so some girl that was a Trump. I don't even know if she was a Trump squad. She called me a bigot with an E. I was like, sweetheart, know how to spell first before you start coming at me. Thanks, <laughs> management. Do your assignment over and turn in by the end of the business day. And on like, Thursday, you had time. Oh, yeah, Ooh. I had time. I had time because the undercard press conference is going you were on. You firing so back. Like, and again, a lot of people ask me, like, you, why do you do this? And I think the main reason sometimes why I do this it's because I need some of y'all to see how this world works. Because we always talk about like social media being this curated experience where we only deal with people you know. But because I work in so many different fields, like boxing, music, culture, film, like because I've done all of these different things, I have people that follow me for different reasons. So there's a lot of times that people follow me for like MMA, and then they get like really surprised when I start talking about culture and politics, and they'll be like, ah, they got want they want to attack me. So every now and then when I look through my mentions, which every day I get something very disrespectful. But I, but on this particular day, I was like, yo, out of these 8,000 mentions, I'm gonna pick a couple of these cats out, and I'm gonna ask them questions like, yo, and I'm gonna see who bucks up. And obviously, some of them are ghost counts. They, you know, I fall for the trap sometimes. Shit happens. But other times. They engage like somebody told me that uh, white people are the only one that are trying to absolve racism. People like you is the reason why I'm still alive. And I was like, "Yo, is this a ghost county? You're like three thousand followers? Like, yo, are you a real person?" <laughs> no, people really think that. Like, it's wild what people think. So when Deontay lost, I got so many messages like that, like the, to like say, "How do you feel?" Oh, ha ha, your guy lost. And I'm like, dog, I just gave Fury all the credit in the world. I didn't have a dog in the race like that. Of course, I'd like to see Wild win, but I'm a journalist. Like, I'm not picking sides. I think Fury's a fantastic fighter. He might be one of the, the greatest heavyweights of all time. So I'm not, like, I'm not hurt. But you guys really think that this was like a race war? It wasn't that. This was like a great fight. If Deontay made black history, fantastic. I would have been happy for him. But, man, and then, oh, oh, on top of that, D Smoke walked out with him. Which I found out earlier in the day, and I kind of alluded to it with tweet that Deontay is going to walk out and bring the smoke with him. And I was alluding to D smoke because I knew. People started hitting me like, this is your doing. No, it's not my doing. But I'm happy to see it. Like, I was happy <laughs> to see D smoke walk him out. And that, and, and, right, like, the, the black habits, like, black excellence. Like, why are people offended by black excellence? Why are people so effect, offended by this? Especially, like, white people. Like, why are y'all so mad? That's the key. You can be pro-black and not be anti-white. Yeah, people, They're not mutually like, exclusive. Somebody was like, I'll bet my bottom dollar you have no white friends. Are you nuts? I'm not that guy. I don't run around telling people, yeah, I got white friends. But listen, man, Shake from Two Dope Boys was the best man at my wedding. Come on. Come on, people. Relax. My grandmother was white. So my racist white, but she was a white woman. It's like, <laughs> but it's like, man, I don't, I don't, I'm not like, I don't do that. I don't just not like white people because they're white. Because there's a lot of, because Jason Whitlock is at the top of my hit list. And he's black. It has nothing to do with that. It's a mentality. But some of these people are real wild with this shit. So, yeah, 
that's what I had to deal with this week. And, you know, and then having to deal with that bar issue after all of that. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Y'all for real? But I guess I'm doing something right because if I was nobody, nobody pay attention. So, alas, here we are. Exactly. That's the key. If you were no one, no one would have paid attention. You got the mic for a reason. You, Again, they give you the mic to get good questions, talking points, and to sell the fight. For better or worse, you hit all three. Yeah. So, whether they like it or not, you did the job they wanted done. You could have said, so, let me get your prediction for tomorrow or for Saturday night's fight. And then it would have told you the same thing. Uh, I'm knocking him out in two, is what Fury would have said. And Wilder would have said, he going to sleep. Like, something stupid. Like, cool, man. Like, it would have been the same regurgitated answer. You got a question that gave a different context and nuance to the story being told. Now, it is a definitively not going to be painted a black versus white fight. Cool, but we have quotes from both people explaining how they feel about it. Wilder still said he wanted to make him a Black History Month trivia question and then came out with one of the most black entrances you'll ever see. Yeah, and people hate so, it. So he wanted to make it a celebration of blackness, not anti-fury or anti-white. He said, I want my name, like pretty much, I want my name to go down in the history of Black History Month. It just so happens that Tyson Fury is white and he has to catch his work, is what he went into the fight saying. Not that, oh, it's, it's going to be Black History because it's a white guy. No, it's going to be Black History because it's the best, two best heavyweights in the world and I'm going to win. You know, somebody asked me that question too. Would you ask that question was another black man? Yes. Listen, yep. the, one of the blackest fights of all time that meant a lot to everybody was Ali Frazier. And I wasn't alive at the time for that fight to happen. But if that fight happened during Black History Month, that's a moment in black history. So, yes, I'd ask the same goddamn question. Because it wasn't just the opponent. It was the caliber of opponent. Like, as we move into talking about Wilder Fury, we haven't had two heavyweights undefeated in their primes one was a lineal champion who was a former unified champion, never lost his titles in the ring. And the other was the heavyweight, WBC heavyweight champion. Contrasting styles. Like, there were so many things that we've never had since maybe Bo Holyfield, something that you, people remember, where two guys just went at it and killed each other in the ring. And prior to that, it was Ali Frazier won. And the parallels between, this is wild. I'm doing a piece on this. The parallels between Tyson Fury's career and Muhammad Ali's career are ridiculous and people are gonna go what let me explain really quick tyson fury doesn't fight like a heavyweight muhammad ali doesn't fight like a heavyweight both are consummate showmen who love to talk shit who love to be flamboyant ali and tyson fury are the same guy tyson fury became champion by beating a guy who had reigned over the division klitschko with an iron fist was the first man to hand him a loss ali beat sonny listen who nobody thought he could beat to become the champion both men, this is where they differ, took three years away from the sport. Ali because he dodged the draft. Tyson Fury because he liked cocaine. But they took three years away from the sport, came back. Both had two tune-up fights, both of them, before they fought the most feared puncher in the heavyweight division. Ali with Frazier, Tyson Fury with Deontay Wilder. Both of them had very close fights. Both of them went down in the last round. 
Ali Frazier in the 15th round when Frazier caught him with a left hook. Tyson Fury went down with the Deontay Wilder combination in the 12th round. Where they, where they differ is that Frazier beat Ali. Tyson Fury had to tie with Deontay Wilder. In the rematch, both Ali and Tyson Fury won. It is crazy how close these parallels are. That's ridiculous. So why, as Deontay Wilder fighting this man in Black History Month, why would that not be a moment in black history? Yeah. I mean, it's it's as much of a moment as when Ali lost, right? It, it would have been like that if he could have beaten Tyson Fury. But now we see Tyson Fury, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the fight, but Tyson Fury is the winner, and we see that, okay, it just adds a, a layer of a story to something we're going to look back 40 years from now 40 years from now when they are when there's an hour-long special on espn classics about this trilogy your fight your question will be in there (laughs) like how wild is that shit like i was just digging through the ali ones because it was ali's birthday not too long ago and i'm watching and we just have so much content on ali you know top rank etc and you you watch these things and you see these interviews you see these questions you see the response they get and you generated a question where it gave so much i don't know such a impassioned response by tyson fury so when they're talking and they have shit probably me and you sitting down in front of the camera (laughs) at that point reminiscing about the fight and it would be like you know what this is a battle between two of the best heavyweights and unlike the heavyweight, you know, heavyweight contest before it, it wasn't about race. Tyson Fury made sure it was about two of the best men. And then, boom, they're going to play your question in the clip. And then we're going to roll into it. So, like, that is crazy. But that's historic. And the buzz it created now is only going to push that further throughout the years. So, yeah, we'll be here in 40 to talk about that shit. And we'll laugh about it. Like, remember how mad those motherfuckers were? And they still ain't tell you who was mad. Nah, that's what I'm gonna tell you. I Forty still, years. I still didn't find out. I, I probably won't get the opportunity to ask a question again. That's probably gonna be the uh, the longest short of it. But come on, man. Like, if you got, if you really have a problem with what I said, anybody, like, talk to me. Don't tweet me from a ghost account. Like, ask me. And like Peter Khan, like a lot of the people that you know, a lot of the white people in media, they talk to me about it. The only person that asked me, um, my my boy Malik. Who uh, you know manages guys like Blair Cobb? He's been in the boxing game forever. He's a brother. And Malik was like, "Why'd you ask that question?" And I told him why. He's like, "Okay, I get it." He was like, "Cause I didn't really hear it, and I just heard people were mad at you." And I was like, "Who?" And he was like, "Just pe- like people, like UK British press." I was like, "Man, show me these motherfuckers so I can see them." He's like, "Don't worry about it." But I just wanted to ask you. That's all you had to do. If you ask me, I'm gonna tell you why I asked the question. But I didn't even think it needs that much explaining from the beginning. But again, here we are. <laughs> so that was uh, the beginning of your eventful week. And then the week plays out and we get to fight night and we meet up at the fight. We're chilling. I've done like a lot of my prep work. You get there, you put your bag down, do a little bit of work. And we decide, you know what? Let's go check out the urban loitering scene. <laughs> like, like, fuck it. We got like an hour. Let's, let's just go take a lap around the MGM, which we do all the time, randomly. So we're like, all right, cool. So we, the fight, there's like some undercard fight going on where I'm like, yo, I'm not gathering content from this. All right, let's go. So we decide to take a lap. And Dre 
It is official. Urban Loitering was back. I felt like it was a Mayweather weekend again. And this is February. It's not even hot. No. That's Oh, but we the funniest thing we saw probably was the Cougar squad. <gasps> yeah. Oh, they were at least 55 dressed like they were 25. There was one that looked like 55-year-old Megan the Stallion. Mm-hmm. Like she just had the the crazy cheetah print just cut all in the middle, try to have the boobs out. She looked like she was about 6'5". It was it was wild. Like she, Yo. but she thought she was the shit. And you know what? Power to her. There, there is no age on thoughtness at I, all. I promise you that her thing was like, "Come get this young man." Like I, I, I just know that that was her like whole week. That was her gimmick for the entire week. Like, "Come get this work, young man." Oh, she was she was trying to catch something, catch something late in the game. That was her hail mary. Jeez, she was like, yo, I, I, only, I only got so many more of these left in me. <laughs> let, let me throw this freak of dress on and see what I get. Yo, you know, she maybe, said I might not be come around for the something. next big one. She was like, I'm not going to be here for the next big one. So I'm, I'm going to shoot it. my shot tonight. And she shot her shot. <laughs> and Bro. it was a crew of them. It's not even like she was dolo. It was like four. I was like, oh, they're rolling deep. Like, they've been doing this shit for years. Yeah. Like, they, they were like it. that back like the Tyson fights, when you talk about like, yo, I used to go to the MGM lobby during the Tyson fights when you were younger. Yep. She was in the MGM lobby during those Tyson fights. Same dress. She like, what? She, she went to the Tyson fight in 92 with that same dress on. She went home. She was like, put this shit in the closet. I'm wearing this at the next best heavyweight fight. She had to wait three decades for that shit. Went in the closet. It was like, oh old friend and she just dusted that shit off put it right back on Woo! she's been waiting to wear that fit uh, so that oh man you know they were hilarious we saw like three people get arrested one dude yeah. with a press credential yeah it's like yo like let's, let's production credential yeah like listen like a lot of uh, some of you have never been to like a big fight and maybe you've been to a fight like in whatever state you live in which may not be la vegas or new york and i actually i'll take la off the list because only New York and Vegas, and clearly Vegas is the top dog when it comes to these fight nights. If you've never experienced one, put it on your bucket list. And if it's going to be on your bucket list, I don't... This may sound a certain way. Make sure there's a black fighter in the main event. Because, specifically, because like a Pacquiao fight brings a different group of people out. It's not the same kind of ur- urban loitering. It's loitering. Mexicans? Yeah. Mexican, when, when Canelo fights? It's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Come to those two. But... When it's like Mayweather and now like Deontay Wilder brings out a whole different group of ignorance. And it is oh, yeah. fun. It's f- like, look, listen, <laughs> people be like, yo, I'm scared. No, this shit is fun because it's like it's like Diet Freaknik and like the Source Awards all bowled up in one because then you got a bunch of people who don't know how to act because Vegas doesn't necessarily have like a huge black contingency. So when we get something, we don't know what to do with it. Like NBA All-Star Weekend, like we tore the city down because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Like there was a cloud of weed smoke in the air 24 hours a day. But this was like, they hadn't had it in so long. So you had like, like old dudes with like pimp hats and you had like chains and then you had like, and then obviously, you know, the younger generation, like with the, you know, young white dudes, like at Hakkasan, like drunk off their ass, trying to fight people. We almost saw somebody get destroyed right outside the pizza place. Yeah, dude got choked. Yeah. Like the guy just put put his hand on his throat. But the, the guy had mad reach. But yeah, the the white dude in the in the prim and popper suit was stepping to this black dude in a in a track suit. 
And the black guy was like, what? Or the white dude like shoved his chick or whatever. And then the black guy felt it was his, his duty to defend his woman. <laughs> and then the black dude got up and he, he did the Tyson Fury point over the banister. Like he was talking bad shit. I was like, oh, they're not going to fight. And then he, he went around the rail. And I was like, oh, shit, it's about to go down. And then the white dude was like started touching him and slapping his arms and shit. The black guy just choked him real soft, though. Just choked him, let him know his hand was there. And then just looked at him. I was like, are they going to fight? And then, boom, no, just walked their separate ways. Yeah, and, and then. And, and, and <sighs> listen, listen, this is why you guys listen to this podcast. Because there's no other boxing podcast that embraces this kind of chaos except for us. Because. We don't leave when that shit happens. Like, if people start running, I run. That's a black thing. Kel, I'm sure you do the same thing. But of when course. it's like, when I see, like, drunk people getting ready to fight, like, we were sitting there with, like, the proper 12, and we, you know, we, you know, and we just looked. And we were spectators. And I was like, oh. And, you know, we could, and we could talk to y'all about this, because I'm a part of this culture, and I, and I love it. I embrace the chaos in that sense. Like, I'm like, yo, this is excellent. I grew up black in Vegas, and I went to Morehouse, and, you know, I've done the music. I've done all these things. I enjoy the chaos, and I'm here to bring it to you. So, yes, we haven't even talked about the fight yet, but these are the moments that matter. Because everybody's going to talk about the fight that happened. Nobody's going to tell you what we're telling you, and not like us, because this is no. our thing. This is what we do. There's, there's, I mean, listen, no disrespect to, like, Cobb and Lance Pugmire and Dan Raphael and Kevin Out. They can't talk about this like we do. Because they were like at Wolfgang Puck and having dinner and shit. No respect to that because we were supposed to go there. It was fucking closed. But <laughs> Shout they, they, out to Kevin for enjoying the, the spectacle as well, though. Yes. I only... Listen, man. <laughs> you guys... If you guys like read Kevin Alley's work, he's like the super OG. And I love Kevin to death. And I say this for a good reason because he supported me when I was just a young dude getting in the game and didn't have the support of others. Kevin like reached out to me immediately. And... He's always been there, and we've been friends through the years. And so he got he hung out with us and watched the chaos. He was it was like me, him, Armando, uh, you, uh, uh, your, uh, the other cat from Top Rank that worked with you or ESPN. And then we had like McKenzie and D Smokes manager, and we're all sitting there watching this chaos. And Kevin's just sitting there enjoying it, and he he's not asking. He's just he's just there. That's it. Like he was watching a fight. Yeah. I damn near thought he was gonna pu just pull out his pen and start taking notes. Ah, man, I love Kevin. For like, that. like, like, yo, we need a post fight, a post pizza fight article from Kevin Ioli, <laughs> breaking it down word for word. And the man is, he's about to pull quotes, get out the, the little tape recorder that he has, plot that shit on the table, mm. get some post fight quotes. Man, that was funny. That, and, and I will add to it, like, yeah, like, the urban loitering is at its, its zenith when you have a crazy popular black athlete, right? So Mayweather and maybe Javante will become that guy as well. Deontay Wilder. The urban loitering is amazing on those fights. What takes it to another notch is when the UK fans join the urban loitering. Oh, yes. yes. It's like the perfect combination. Mayweather, McGregor, perfect combination of fans. And uh, I wasn't there for Mayweather Hatton. Yes. Heard that shit was amazing. And then you get this here, Wilder Fury, the UK fans singing, chanting. You know how many girls we ended up seeing from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock that had no shoes on? <laughs> and it's not like you're walking from the club and you're carrying your heels in your hand and you're walking through, which is bad enough. They, I don't even know how they get the black off of their feet at that point. 
But when I say they had no shoes on, fam, they had no shoes. No shoes in hand, no shoes anywhere. They were just barefoot at this point. Like, they were like, yo, this has been such a fucking wild night, and I'm so drunk that I said, fuck these heels. I'm leaving them in the club. And was walking barefoot through the MGM, through the parking lot, which is like basketball blacktop gravel to their cars. Yo, that shit is crazy. I, was, I had left you. I was walking back towards the... Uh, towards the elevators to go up to my room and i'm walking i got the bottle of proper 12 in my hand so people were looking at me weird so i'm, I'm walking up like the magnum bottle of proper 12 and i'm chilling i'm just looking around being an idiot looking at other stuff and i stop and that little bar right by the elevators were open and it was the craziest shit i've ever seen because there was a girl who had every fake body part you could possibly have mm. and Lips included, white girl, long extensions, whatever, crazy skimpy dress. There was her friend who kind of looked like Megan Good. Okay. And fake hair and everything, cool, sitting there. Both had drinks in their hand. And I'm walking by. They look at my bottle of proper whiskey. I'm like, listen, I'm going upstairs to bring this to my wife. Don't, what the, don't look at me. I'm the wrong one. They look at me. They look at my credential. They look at me. I swear, I kid you not. The one that looks like Megan Good looks at her friend, shakes her head, kind of like gives the hair whip. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? Like, why is she just mean mug me? The white friend look, and I see it. I'm like, yo, why is she mean mugging me? This guy is coming towards me. The flyest old guy I've ever seen in my life. Old white guy has to be like 60, 70 years old. Suit looks like Tyson Fury in the suit. This motherfucker's like 6'3, walking past me, looks at me, says, You drinking that? I was like, Yeah, man, it's almost gone. He's like, That's that proper stuff. I was like, Yeah, man. And he's like, Cheers. Makes me open it. We clink. He has the drinking hand. We clink that. Then he's like, I'm going to go pay those women right now. It's going to be a fun night. And walks off. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there. I got my pizza box in one hand, the open <laughs> bottle of proper whiskey. And I was like, fuck it. I got a drink to that. This drink. Oh, and then come God. back upstairs. And no lie, he walked right up to those women. And I guess they shook their head at me because they're scouting. Mm. Like, yo, he got money? Oh, wait, he got a bottle in his hand. Oh, no, he got a credential. This motherfucker working. Like, I, like they looked at me like, he don't got dough. And then, like, she, she eyeballed me crazy and this guy was like hey young fella let's drink you ain't you ain't got this money right now i'm gonna go have fun and sure enough wow. I, I did the double take i looked back he's sitting there both arm one arm over one one arm under the under over the other and negotiating like like he was trying to yo what's yours what's your fight purse what's your fight purse he was about to make a, a nice little matchup he was getting his eddie hearn on my goodness this guy, this guy is a promoter, not in the boxing world, but of, of other occupations. Uh, yeah, this, it was just mind-boggling. I was like, yep, that's, that's how I end my week. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And I was like, yo, this fly-ass 70-year-old dude. So wherever he is in the MGM this morning, hats off to you, sir. Hope you had a blast. I hope they didn't rob you. Put your money in the safe. 
that's right. <laughs> a whole, whole different topic. Right. Oh man, yeah. So that's that's fight week in a nutshell. Um, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the actual fight because uh, that's what we're here to do. So fight night. We, I mean, it started off earlier in the week and we touched on it. There was pushing at the press conference. They said no face-to-face at the weigh-ins. So they built up these different narratives going into the fight. We were concerned by some other things that we saw and heard, though. Tyson Fury was like, he's coming in at 270, came in at 273. He was doing a lot to put on that weight. I'll just say that. Like, he wanted to be 270 so much that he, he was going to get there no matter what. So he was... He wanted to have that bulk. He wanted to, you know, eat more than one would normally probably eat in a training camp. You know, he he was doing things to bulk up, but he looked good. He looked muscular while doing it when it was time to weigh in, but he didn't take his shirt off. That worried a lot of people. On the other end, Deontay Wilder came in at 230, which, you know, he's been there before, but we were so used to seeing him at 212, 215. And I really didn't think too much of it. But as we get into the fight, I think maybe that was more of a glaring issue than Fury coming in overweight. Yeah, it's possible, man. I mean, for me, from my end, from the beginning, when I met with Tyson on Monday and the conversation that we had when I first talked about weight and I said, uh, is the weight game for you to absorb punches or is it for you to start leaning on Deontay? And the thing he said, you know, because I thought he was blowing smoke. I'm like, listen, man, I, I don't believe you're really going to come in at 270. He's like, no. He's like, I'm a fat boy. So for me to come down and wait is difficult. So at a certain point when you're fat, you just get more muscle and you turn that fat into muscle and then you can use it to absorb punches. Now, in my head, and I mentioned this to you on fight night, the, the fat doesn't cover your chin. And it don't matter how big you get. The chin is still going to be suspect. But his thing was he wanted to be able to come forward and use his size to smother Deontay because he's clearly the bigger man. I just didn't necessarily think it would work. But as I wrote earlier in the week, this was a true, in my head, Like I had no idea what was going to happen in this fight. I picked Deontay because I was like, well, you got to be perfect for 36 minutes. I don't know if Fury can keep that up for 12 rounds without getting caught. I'm picking Deontay. Clearly I was wrong. Um, but yeah, the weight thing, and then the, the weigh-in day, the shirt, I didn't like that. Obviously, the change in trainers from Ben Davidson to Sugar Hill. I was like, eh, it's a lot of things here. And Deontay was like, that's nervous energy. And I was just like, I kind of agreed. I, I was, Listen, man, I was wrong. Like, Tyson knew exactly what he was doing from the beginning. And the thing that got me is after the first fight, and I think we talked about it on this show, and I know I wrote about it as well. After the first fight, I said, Fury's going to have a much easier time with Wilder the second time around. Directly after the first fight, I said that. Because he spent 12 rounds with him, he's going to make his adjustments, and he's going to win the fight. Where I got hoodwinked and bamboozled was me watching Deontay Wilder kill two men along the way. And I was like, you know what? He just (laughs) murdered two men. I'm going to pick the guy with bodies on his resume. And, you know, Tyson had the fight with Valen, and he had the fight with Tom Schwartz. And I was like, eh, I didn't see much improvement. Wilder's killing people. I don't think. But little did I know that Tyson was just getting his conditioning up and getting himself ready for the ultimate fight. And everything that he said came to fruition. And he beat the shit out of Deontay Wilder. No, it was dominant to a point where I was just in awe. So I'm watching the fight. 
and it's happening right in front of me. So it's it's one of those weird things because we watch MMA fights pretty close, right? Like his media, we're very close to the octagon. There's only like three rows. Um, boxing, this fight excluded because for some reason they built risers and put you guys dumb far. Yeah, it was like the, it was like the Canelo fight. They didn't put any media ringside they put all of us in the risers which is it's fine because it, at least in the risers we could see the ring but we yeah. we're never really that far back anyway no so you you guys are a ways back but usually you know we're about four rows five rows back on the floor i'm now getting used to seeing fights from ringside from the apron and this shit is just wild every time I was talking to my dad earlier today. He was like, yo, how was it? I was like, it's crazy because I could only get closer if I allowed someone to punch me in the face. Like, I would have to be a fighter. That's the only way I can get closer than where I am to the action. And it's like being watching, like, the Patriots in the Super Bowl or watching your Niners in the Super Bowl and you love the game all your life and then them saying, you know what, Dre? You got to write about this or you got to do your normal work. But we're going to put you right behind Tom Brady or right behind Garoppolo at center. Yeah. And then see what your perspective is. And they're going to be moving. They're not going to touch you, but that's just going to happen right in front of you. It's wild to see. And these guys were just so big. It was different when I was there with Teofimo and watching Crawford and everything because they look like normal sized people in the ring. They're very small in real life, but they look like normal sized people when fighting in the ring. These guys look like two giants fighting. And this shit just, I, I, I felt it was hard. I didn't have to score the fight, which was great. But watching how it played out, you see the smallest of things. Like you'll see Deontay Wilder's chest after the second round, before he even got hit in the ear, his chest and the way he was breathing you're like, it's not right. Like, you can see it quiver. You can see his mouth open. You can see the separation between his bottom lip and his mouthpiece, which allowed for Tyson Fury to bust his lip like it was super easy. Why was it super easy? Because he wasn't closing his mouth. There was, no, there was no biting down on the mouthpiece, nothing. He couldn't breathe out of his nose. The man was breathing out of his mouth the entire time. And you see this, and then his fight, his lip gets busted open, and you know why. Like, it's these subtle things you can see being that close. That shit is crazy. And when, you, when I was watching that, I was like, he's not going to make it. The, the power won't be there in the, what was it last time, the ninth and the twelfth round? Yeah. His gas tank was gone after two. And then you throw in getting hit in the ear and Tyson Fury, I feel like more than anything, Tyson Fury gained that weight to lean on him, to try to bully him. But then he found out, yo, listen, it doesn't matter what weight I am. He's gassing himself out. And he knew that wasn't the version of Deontay Wilder he fought the first time. He knew this wasn't the best Deontay Wilder. And he said, I'm putting the pedal to the metal. He's not going to hurt me today. Because he took a couple right hands flush. And was like, wait, I'm still standing? Like, in the second round, he got hit with two. And in the third, he got hit with one. Measured up, left hand on the chin, right hand following. Boom. Usually puts everyone out. Tyson got hit, looked around like, yo, I didn't even go down. And at that moment, he knew, I'm good. You Wilder know, wasn't the same. You made, you made a very interesting point. And I, I hate to, like, harp on this a lot. 
But this, for whatever reason, immediately, I think maybe midway through the second round, I, I remember I turned to like Aulia Raphael and I said, something ain't right. And I tweeted it too. Something ain't right with Deontay. Something's wrong. And this is not to take away from Tyson Fury, to be clear. No, not at all. has off nights. But it felt like something was off. It just maybe wasn't his nights. But even the jab felt slow. Like he was throwing the jab, the long jab to the body that Floyd does a lot. Yep. And usually, Which I liked. I liked that game plan change. Yes, I liked And I said it. I was like, I like it, but he's leaving it out there for a long time. And it doesn't have that whip-like snap to it. And I'm like, what? Nope. Something's wrong. Like something's just not right about he had no twitch yeah no fast twitch i don't know like i heard and this doesn't mean anything because he hasn't used it as an excuse that he was like fighting the you know like a flu or something like that early in the week but he was allegedly sick during the first fight so sarasara i don't know um but it just felt like something wasn't right now i want to preface all of this before we like talk about ring entrances and everything else is boxing once again is the one sport where nobody knows shit, but after a big fight, everybody has all the answers. That Deontay is washed <laughs> up, he got exposed, um, he's a bum, uh, he didn't train for this fight. Like, I have heard the most asinine things from people that I know have not watched enough boxing, that have come out of the woodworks to tell me that Deontay's a bum and he was never good in the first place. No, you don't get that kind of record being a bum. You don't almost massacre Tyson Fury in the first fight by being a bum. He's a one-dimensional fighter. Let's just cut to the chase. When this fight happened, people said Deontay Wilder got exposed. I hate when people say fighters got exposed when they lose one fight. I'll use my example. 85 Bears were a team that you knew exactly what the fuck they were doing every down. Walter Payton was getting the ball. And on that defense, they were crushing you with their line. Like, you knew what the game plan was. It was your job to stop it. And nobody could stop it. The Dolphins did it. And in one of the weirdest games I saw much later, because I saw as a kid, I didn't know what the fuck I was watching. But I started, like, I used to obsess over, like, the 86 Giants, 85 Bears. I used to watch all these games. This particular game, the Bears did what they did. But, like, Dan Marino was on fire. And balls were ricocheting off of players. I think there was like a Mark Clayton. There was a ricochet that Mark Clayton caught and ran for a touchdown. They ended up blowing up the Bears. I think they beat them 38 to 27, I think the game was. And, you know, I think the talk after, like Mike Singletary was talking about, like everything just kind of went their way and there was nothing we could do about it. The Bears didn't get exposed. You know what the Bears did? They went back to exactly what they did. Nobody could stop it. They shut out two teams in the playoffs and they massacred the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That's not getting exposed. Shit happens and the term exposed would mean that you basically have the cheat code to know how to beat somebody and you can give it to somebody else and they can do the same shit tyson fury six foot nine nearly 300 pounds moves like a welterweight has a boxing skills that are better than most people have ever seen in their lifetime an ironclad chin and a huge boxing iq you can't give that shit to Andy Ruiz, and Andy Ruiz does the same thing as Deontay Wilder. You can't give that shit to Anthony Joshua, and Anthony Joshua does the same thing as Deontay Wilder because he doesn't have the chin nor the defense. So for the people to say that Wilder got exposed, go ahead and put the rest of the division in front of Wilder and watch what happens. Because that game plan, you can't expose something that's been laid out in plain sight for his entire career. It's not like you never knew that the right hand was there. It was just your job to avoid it. Like the 85 Bears are going to run the ball down your throat. It was your job to stay away from Deontay Wilder's right hand. Luis Ortiz did it for six and a half rounds. And then the lights went off. Dominic Brazil <laughs> tried it for like two minutes and 32 seconds. And then he died. 
Everybody else has stood in front of Deontay Wilder and thought, you know what, I'm doing okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, the lights go out. There, there was no need for a plan B or C. Like Deontay Wilder, as you can see, you can't turn this man into Floyd Mayweather. People are like, get a new trainer, which may be true and we'll talk about in a second. But this is who he is. And who he is has demolished an entire division except for one man who is a generational talent. How dare you guys say this man got exposed? He lost. If, if he loses every fight like this moving forward, then he gets exposed. That's fine. That's fair. If, if, if everybody comes in and uses the same game plan and beats up Deontay Wilder, then I'll say, yeah, Tyson Fury exposed him. But I don't think any other heavyweight on this planet right now can do what Tyson Fury did to Deontay Wilder. That's not getting exposed. That's just getting beat by the better man. And Deontay just got his ass kicked. And people say, I don't want to see the rematch because it might be exactly the same. Maybe. Maybe not, because the problem is Deontay Wilder still has one of the greatest equalizers in all of sports with that right hand. Who knows? He could catch Tyson Fury in the rematch. And to say y'all ain't going to buy it, y'all lie. Y'all just sitting there just being in, in your feelings right now because the fight just happened yesterday. But as soon as they announce this shit and Deontay and somebody says, Deontay wasn't on tonight, but he's going to be on this time. You're going to buy the fucking pay-per-view. So stop, man. Stop calling this man exposed, man. Like, stop treating him like a bum. Stop saying he didn't train. I know Deontay trained. This wasn't Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. Deontay trained his ass off. Why didn't he have a plan B? Because the motherfucker hasn't needed one. Like, <laughs> at all. He just he hasn't needed one. And some guys, just clearly, they don't have that, that Floyd Mayweather gear. And I always use Floyd. Andre Ward has that gear where he fights, and basically he's his own corner man. As the fight is going, he downloads information and computes it. Floyd does it. Errol does it. Andre Ward does it did it uh and Tyson Fury does it he makes his adjustments on the fly and that's what he did nobody got exposed guys cut it the fuck out yeah he can outthink anyone in the heavyweight division so before any, you put any physical skills into this he is ring IQ the smartest boxer in the heavyweight division so he's going to solve that puzzle and this showed me physically. The, the only thing I thought was, okay, he wants to go in there and slug with Deontay Wilder. He dissected the information from the first fight, said, I fought my perfect fight as a defensive fighter, and it got me a draw. That's not the way to beat this man. If I do that again, I'm going to get a draw or beat or knocked out. He said, how do you beat him then? Went to the drawing board and said, you know what? I got to get bigger. I got to pressure him. I got to take the fight to him. And if he knocks me out that way, then shit, he's good. But if not, I believe that this is the way to beat him. And I thought, you know what? It, it makes sense mentally. He's very smart. I don't know physically if he could fight that fight. Well, question answered. Physically, he could be the best offensive fighter, what? Best defensive heavyweight we've seen of this generation Oh, and by the way, if he wants to stand and bang, he can. So he can do what he did against Klitschko and run around the ring and get like four punches around and beat your ass. Or if he chooses to, he can gain about 15 pounds of muscle, sit there and bang with you and say, you know what? We're going to have a slugfest and I can win that way too. That's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I, I just like, again, man, I don't, I've never seen a heavyweight with these tools and the career is not over, so it's hard to start ranking him among the great heavyweights because what this fight was, was 
it was one-way traffic. And we don't know. Like, the rematch could be different. Uh, Fury could fight Anthony Joshua, and he could lose it. Like, we have no idea. But right now, we're looking at a generational talent. We've never seen a guy this size move like this, ever. This is nuts. The things that he does are pretty incredible. And he joked about it. Yeah, so much with a fat man with pillow fist. You put, like, 300 pounds behind a punch, it's just going to hurt. Period. If you oh, know yeah. how to throw a punch, and that's what Tyson Fury does. Like he he's so he's really, really, really good. And like somebody uh uh hit me on like Facebook or something and was like, uh oh, Lynx Lewis and Mike Tyson beat the shit out of Tyson Fury. You sure about that? Are you sure? Because I think again, when we always talk about like old fighters and like old basketball players, like everybody watches highlights. And like, like people say Larry Bird was trash. He get washed in the league today. You sure about that? Did you ever really watch Larry Bird play? Because if they were chucking three pointers, if Larry Bird played for the fucking Rockets, he averaged like fifty points a game. He would annihilate. Oh, he would annihilate teams. But it's a Bird game was a there. stretch. Bird would have been a stretch five right now. Yeah, like he would be murdering people. What? Like, but there's people. It's like Larry nice. Bird's whack. People say Larry Bird's whack, and it's the same thing when people say that Mike Tyson and that will like beat up Tyson Fury, and I'm like. Well, listen, guys, Mike Tyson's prime years, like Mike Tyson, like the, that, that ship sailed by the time he was like 25. It was over. Like that, that the run was short, brutal, and it, but it ended so quick. And Mike was never really the same again. He beat up Frank Bruno twice. You know, he had that war with Razor Ruddick. Um, and, and guys, like I'm talking about this because I watch all this shit. I don't talk about it because I watch highlights. I have like all of Tyson's fights. All the Holyfields fights. I have watched every single one of them that I could. There are a few that you can't find. But I've seen Tyson Fury fight. And then somebody says his footwork is whack. And I'm like, you don't watch boxing. How the hell could you possibly say Tyson Fury's footwork is whack? I've never seen a heavyweight move like this. The only, oh, the feints are incredible, by the way. The only heavyweight that I could think of that, I mean, because it was Ali was amazing his upper body movement was fantastic and the jab was incredible ali never went to the body go watch the tapes ali never hit anybody in the body and he still beat the shit out of everybody um when J- james tony moved up to heavyweight but he was a fucking middleweight when he started his career and he was a brilliant like counter puncher like he catch and shoot like he was phenomenal but there are very few defensive boxers in the history of the heavyweight division that can move like Fury, that can avoid punishment like Fury, that have a chin like Fury. Come on, guys. You think, I'm not saying that Mike Tyson couldn't punch. Mike Tyson was 5'9". Tyson Fury would have had a goddamn foot on him. You think Fury wouldn't know how to work with that? Y'all are wild. Lennox Lewis had a glass jaw. Oliver McCall put his ass out. I seen Rockman put his ass out. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Lennox would definitely lose. But don't act like Tyson Fury has no chance in this fight. That man is amazing. I say that to say this, that people that say Deontay Wilder sucks or he's a bum, he just fought arguably one of the greatest heavyweights we've ever seen and lost. But the first time, he damn near won. And y'all going to call yeah. that man a bum. No, That's and nice. I am tired. Tired, tired. Just like I'm tired in basketball all the time. If people saying this person cannot be the greatest of all time because they've lost the NBA Finals just because Jordan has never. You know what? One of, these, one of these days, someone's going to be better than Jordan. And they might lose one Finals, but they may win seven. So you know what? Kick that shit in the ass. Get that whole rhetoric out of here. Because you know what? Sometimes people lose. That's okay. Wilder could lose, hit the immediate rematch, come back in, knock Fury out in three rounds, 
get that belt back, and then what? Yeah, and that would is he true. any less great? Then everybody's back on the hype train, right? Then this is one of the greatest trilogies we've seen in boxing history. Yeah. We saw. That, I I wish. I I really don't wish, but it would have been interesting to see what would have been when there's like Sugar Ray Leonard versus Roberto Duran. Yeah. Like, what would have been said on social media then? <laughs> they Could you imagine Twitter Durant. with that shit? Leonard would have been trash. Yeah, when he first lost to Durant. Yeah, because when he first lost to Durant, nobody was beating Durant at one thirty. So yeah, when when Leonard first lost to Durant, people would say he was trash. Just, I mean, dude, I have to say this: Muhammad Ali is recognized as the greatest fighter of all time by a lot of people, and for most people, maybe Sugar Ray Robinson. Sugar Ray Robinson lost seventeen fights, right? If he lost seventeen fights today, people would kill him. But he also fought like 190 times, which is insane. Muhammad Ali was called washed up at least three to four times in his career. Because when he came back and lost to uh, Frazier the first time, they said he came back too soon. He wasn't ready. He had to fight like nine fights. And then before he fought Frazier again, he lost to Ken Norton. And when he lost to Ken Norton and got his jaw broken the first round, which was insane because he fought the entire fight with a broken jaw. It's not Colby Covington, guys. Colby Covington didn't fight an entire fight with a broken jaw. Muhammad Ali did and he stayed in that fight but then when he lost people were like he's done and he went out there and beat Frazier then he fought Foreman and they said oh he can't beat Foreman Foreman just beat the dog shit out of Frazier he can't beat Foreman he's washed up he's a bum and what did he do? he beat George Foreman imagine social media at all these moments in Muhammad Ali's career when he lost to Kim Norton when he lost to Frazier um, and when he was getting ready to fight Foreman Imagine what social media would be like. Because, dog, y'all are stupid. Y'all got to relax. Quit pulling the trigger thinking you know everything after one fight. It's nuts. <laughs> no, that's exactly what it is. It's just, it's this microwave culture, which we talk about in hip-hop and everything yeah. else. It's just ridiculous. If the man comes out and gets a highlight reel knockout, everyone's back on the bandwagon. People lose in boxing. Just because Floyd never lost doesn't mean it's egregious to have an L on your record. So What? People love Manny Pacquiao to this day. He got memed with Simba over his lifeless body. <laughs> but the, the motherfucker still sold the biggest pay-per-view ever between him and Mayweather after being laid out. So it's like, chill, calm down. This shit happens. Like, it, for any reason, if Wilder was to say, you know what, Fury, I'm not taking my rematch, whatever, keep it moving. Wilder fights whoever he fights, maybe comes back to Fury next year, or lands an Anthony Joshua fight for those belts, knocks out Joshua, Wilder immediately becomes a hero again, and people say, we need the trilogy for the Fury fight. We need it. Wilder's going to beat him this time. Like Boxing fans especially, boxing and NBA fans, because of those two guys, Jordan and Mayweather, are just so fickle. Any loss is the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. Pacquiao lost to Timothy Bradley. We know he ain't lose, but he lost. <laughs> yeah. And bounced back just fine. Like, chill out. People need to, to calm down a little bit. Um, before we talk about, you know, what's next, and which I guess we'll do that here in a second, what was your thoughts on the entrances by both guys? We kind of skipped over that. Let's just oh. um, throw that in while we're talking about the fight itself. Yeah, obviously, I love D Smoke. I'm a big fan. So, to because I knew he was coming out, I couldn't wait to see what he did. And he did Black Habits. I thought it was great. Um, Deontay Wilder, 
I mean, the shit that he wore, he looked like the Dark Knighter. Like, I, there was so many things that was going through my head. It was like Super Shredder, Power Ranger. Like, to me, it was still dope with the red around the eyes. I think that was dope. But I will say, Tyson Fury's entrance was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, phenomenal, right? <laughs> like, this, again, this guy is the consummate showman. And now he's already tried his hand at pro wrestling. So he gets it. Like, he just completely gets it. I think somebody said on social media, I wish MMA would do this. And you're right. Because this is what makes the shit fun. Like, him being carried out. And then, you know, like, and then this, nah, 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 and he's dancing and shit. Like, man, you look at that and you're like, and if you're, if you're a guy fighting him, you're like, well, fuck, is he taking me seriously? Or is he so comfortable whooping my ass that he can do something like this? I thought the interest, I thought both of the entrances and the fact that they showed them on ESPN that they showed both of their ring walks was like the best thing that could happen. Boxing needs pageantry. And you know what that means? Everything is pro fucking wrestling. Everything. Um, especially with Tyson Fury's involved. Exactly. I mean that yeah, both entrances were amazing, man. Uh getting to walk out during the entrances with uh both guys, like right behind the camera was super cool. That's just kind of hectic. It's probably, you know, it's a weird, weird thing having to backpedal for that long, mm-hmm. recording them and then like feeling the crowd and just it was, it was nuts. Like the the whole fight just felt huge, and I it'll take a while to kind of judge exactly how big it is compared to some of the other fights we've been to. I don't I don't know why this just felt bigger than Pacquiao Mayweather to me. Again, that that was such a corporate crowd that it whacked the fight itself out. Yeah, I mean, like this. This gave us celebrities. This gave us actual boxers. This gave us real fans that wanted to see this. Mayweather Pacquiao didn't have no real fans. No, I mean Mayweather Pacquiao was an absolutely insane like atmosphere. Now there was a couple things there because your access was different, so you saw it through a different lens. <laughs> Very um, true. But yeah, I mean there were actual boxing fans, and you said it earlier. The UK fans just make shit better. Right, like maybe with the Pacquiao, there was a lot of people sitting on their hands because it was a bunch of rich high rollers in the arena that night. Um, this fight, I mean, they were singing like Sweet Caroline, which I'm sick and tired of, but they sang that to the top of their lungs. There's only one Tyson Fury. Um, I mean, they were a wild electric bunch, and the clothes that they put their kids in, and I specifically say kids because these kids were dressed nuts <laughs> like these kids looked yeah. ridiculous, but it was. I, I mean, it felt big, and I and I said I wrote a piece like it was the whole fight had this unpredictability around it, and the atmosphere was wild. Like it felt huge. I don't know what the pay per view numbers are going to be, but it felt like a big, big, big fight. I don't know if it's bigger than Mayweather Pacquiao because it feels like that's like the Oscars of boxing. I guess if that makes sense, where a bunch of people are just rich in there. Whereas, like, this felt like the freak thing of boxing in some way. Like, this was... I mean, the undercard was absolutely trash, which we don't need to talk about. But by the time we got to the main event, the pageantry, the entrances, the two personalities, guys, the fact that nobody knew what was going to happen, whereas with Mayweather Pacquiao, we all kind of knew that Mayweather was going to watch him. Special night of fights. Um, I do want to ask you one thing before you, like, move on to what's next and get out of here. What did you think about the stoppage? Not the stoppage itself. But Mark Breland being the one throwing the towel and not his head trainer, JD's. One, I think it was smart to protect the fighter. So I know Wilder didn't like it. JD's didn't like it. But when you have that rematch clause in there, 
and you recognize again me me being that close you being in your seat second round you're like yo he's off he's done something's wrong that's that's not peak wilder now peak wilder still might lose to tyson fury but it looks more like the first fight than this fight wilder wasn't himself he was gassed by the third it, it was ugly and he got beat up because of it when you see that no we will save our fighter we'll live to fight another day now i think if me being media you being media can see that wilder doesn't have it in the second round his trainers and their collective should also see this and should then around the fourth round when he gets dropped twice or he gets dropped with the body blow in the fifth i believe it was yeah and it wasn't even a hard body blow he just collapses from exhaustion and then he trips another three times because he doesn't even have the energy in his body to throw a punch you have to talk to each other between rounds or when you you know when he gets you take the stool out of the ring he's going back in you have to talk to each other and say yo if he doesn't show us something more we're gonna throw it in there should have been a plan there should be some cohesion and that's a glaring problem right there when you just do stuff without talking or without game planning this isn't a good look at, at you know for that camp as a whole because it shows that you guys are missing fundamental steps in being successful as coaches in any sport on any level you gotta all know what you're doing before a decision like that is made and it it wasn't yeah, that was my that was my thing. Like I had no problem with the stoppage because I felt like it could have happened at any moment in that round. You want to give him a puncher's chance, especially. I mean, no, no referee would have this in the back of their head for the fight that happened on the Caleb Plant undercard about a week week ago, with the guy knocked him out in the twelfth round after being completely dominated the entire fight. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you want to give a fighter a chance, but if you're Mark Breland and you're JDs. Um, and you see Wilder getting beat up. And, and listen, uh, the reports are out there. I know it's out there. Um, Wilder didn't bust an eardrum. He didn't break his jaw. He had a cut in his ear, and that was it. That there was no other um, big injuries. You know, people were like, he was. Con he might have been concussed, but he didn't have a busted eardrum. He had a cut in his ear. Um, but if you know what's going on, you're looking at your guy, and he's like, he doesn't look right. You throw in the towel. You save him for another day. My issue is... If I'm Deontay Wilder and I'm confused about the stoppage and I go to JD's, who's my head trainer, I'm like, Jay, why'd you stop the fight? And he's like, I didn't do it. Mark did it. And then it's like, well, aren't you the head trainer? You guys didn't discuss this? Y'all making decisions about my career, right or wrong, and you're not on the same page. And then JD's at the post-fight press conference kind of threw Mark under the bus and was like, I wouldn't have done it, but Mark did it. We're going to have to talk about that later. Really? I mean, I just don't know how you move forward as a team, as a fighter, and you can't trust your corner. That's what concerns me the most. If I got to move into my next fight and I don't know who the fuck's going to throw in the towel, who's in control yeah. here? I'm, I'm the fighter. I shouldn't have to worry about things like this. If Jay throws in the towel and he's a Ted trainer, and I go, Jay, why are you throwing the towel? He says, to save you. Cool. But if Jay, if the towel comes in, I go, Jay, why are you throwing the towel? And he said, I didn't do it. Mark did it. Why did Mark do it? I don't know. I can't trust my corner. There may need to be changes that have to be made. And it may not be Mark Breland. There may be somebody needs to come in with JDs. Because, I mean, look, man. I'm not saying JDs is a bad trainer. But I'm saying that JDs doesn't bring anything special to the table for Deontay Wilder. 
and there aren't going to be much changes that can be made under the tutelage of JDs that's going to take Deontay to the next level in the rematch. Something needs to change. I don't know if the Tiger can change his stripes, but he's going to have to give it a shot. Yeah, it, uh, it's so hard. Deontay's predicated on a lot of loyalty. So what yeah. do he even move if it's the best move for him? He's not a gypsy, right? He's not Tyson Fury. He's not bouncing around. We heard that all fight week. He prides himself and no, this is my people. We're going to get ready. This is what's going to happen. So it's, it'll be an interesting dynamic to watch as will, you know, does he and his team decide to take the rematch immediately? The, from what I've heard, this rematch clause is immediate rematch this summer or you can forego that immediate rematch with the caveat in place already in the terminology that says I will get my rematch in 2021. So I will waive my immediate rematch, but in 2021, at some point, we are going to fight again. I like that second option a lot better. And I said on last week's show, for Tyson Fury, if Tyson Fury won, I said, and I maintain this, he won, go fight Anthony Joshua because I don't think Anthony Joshua was ever going to fight Deontay Wilder. But I think they're more than willing to fight Tyson Fury. Yeah, so there's two. There's one side of it where Deontay Wilder's pride is going to say, I want the rematch. Because he's 34 years old. Doesn't know. He says he's going to fight for five and a half more years. That's what he told me early in the week. After this, he probably cut it down to four. Um, you may, your ego may say, I want this immediate rematch. Because he has to exercise it within 30 days. But I think the ego has to heal before you make a decision like this. And it's a big fight, obviously. And you run the risk of losing if you go fight someone else. But if you're Deontay Wilder, I think you need time to heal. And I think summer is too soon. Uh, or it's October. Aaron told me October is the other date that they were looking at to do the rematch. It might be too soon. It's only February, but man, you get a beating like that, and it's the first loss of your career, to immediately jump back in might be kind of hard. So I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think, for me, the best scenario is, for the rematch to happen, put all the fucking marbles on the table. Because if Tyson Fury can fight Anthony Joshua, and it, dude, that fight is huge and it's not like american huge it's like globally huge because no Anthony joshua is going to fight kubrat pulev probably in june and either in tottenham or wembley which houses like eighty thousand people it doesn't have to be pulev he can literally fight me and fill that bitch up if tyson fury has done what he's done in the states and they could do that at allegiant the new Raider Stadium here in Vegas, they can take that shit to Wembley. They will clean house, and then we will finally, as long as there's not a draw, we will finally have an undisputed champion, which is the one thing that Deontay Wilder has asked for. One name, one champion. You'll have one. So then when you have the rematches for all the marbles, and I think it's even bigger, because if Tyson Fury were to beat Joshua, which is not like a foregone conclusion, I don't care what anybody says, anything can happen. But if he were to beat him, and if you fight for all the marbles in this rematch, the other states maybe one, two in a fight and beats up like Dillian White or some shit like that. And you have this fight wherever it's at. It is arguably one of the biggest. It's probably one of the. It's going to break a ton of records. Oh, shit ton of records. 
So I'm all for that idea, as long as, and I'll see Eddie Hearn this week, and I know we're not going to really get a chance to talk about Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas. Mikey Garcia is going to be Jesse Vargas. That's that. Mikey has no business at 147, but he's going to win this fight. Whatever. I'm going to see Eddie this week, and I'm going to get his take on it, because he said on social media he wants that fight to happen. But I want to see how serious he is, because in order for it to happen, Joshua has two mandatories, Pulev and I think Usyk is his other mandatory. So you take care of those first, and if that, if so, then you probably Tyson Fury is probably not gonna fight some bum. It's either for me, it's either Joshua or Wilder. I think those are only two. If otherwise, I don't think Fury's interested. Yeah, I mean Fury said he only has two more fights. If yeah. you ask him, so, so he doesn't have fights to waste. No, not at all. He's been through a lot, man. He ain't trying to be here all the time. He's trying to get this shit out of here. I ain't mad at him either. Yeah, I'm not mad at all. And what's guaranteed now is that the money's going to be there. Yeah. Because all just, of these fights are huge. Dog, this fight, I know. I don't know what the numbers are, and we won't know. Um, maybe we'll know by next week. But, if, dog, this fight did well. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's going to do extremely well. Everybody watch this shit. So. Yeah, so, and everyone's talking about it. Huge success. Now, let's make... Uh, these across-the-street fights happen a lot more often. Will oh, they be this man. big? No. But you know what? They'll be bigger than just having them fight the same guys in your promotion over and over and giving Danny Garcia five title shots <laughs> for no reason when you can literally just have Terrence Crawford fight one of your champions. I'm yeah. just saying. Right. You know? Let, let's, let's make these things happen. So we'll see how that goes. Man, it's been a long show, but... It was a long week. We had a lot to talk about. We want to thank you guys for listening. We got to shout out the sponsors again, Bet Online. Make sure you guys check them out. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Follow us on social media at the corner LSN. Oh, that's the old one. Let me rewind. <laughs> at corner podcast underscore on Twitter. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hill. Whew. Man, now let me go finish off this popper whiskey because I still got the bottle. I am now at my uh, second hotel room of the week, chilling. I got the suite, about to take a bubble bath. You know, just living it up, Dre. Listen, man, I'm styling this week. I got the robe on. I might get a spa massage. This is my, you know what, Kel? Floss on them. Week. So I might, you might catch me flossing on the gram later. Oh, God. All right. Yes, it's it's <laughs> happening. We've we've earned it. True. So uh, thank you guys. We'll talk to you guys later in the week. Make sure you check back for our next show. Until then, we're out. Peace.